Welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 64. We are covering the 2019 Players' Championship on the PJ Tour and the magical Kenya Open on the European Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Preview at Golf Betting System, and with me we have European Tour expert Paul Williams. Evening, Paul. Evening, Steve. How's things? Busy. Busy. As you well know, it's mad. It's mental. Players you week, and I are at, the, are, at, are at extreme productivity levels. <laughs> Whoever put yeah. big betting golf tournament on the same week as the Cheltenham Festival, eh? Yeah, I know. Madness. Madness. Right, golfbettingsystem.co.uk. Naturally, we're available on social media. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. You can follow Paul at Golf Betting. You can follow me at Bamford Golf on Twitter. Look out for the Golf Betting System YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. I have just recorded that and I will attempt to get it out this evening. The podcast is available on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify and a myriad of different pod channels. You can also listen, of course, via our Golf Betting System YouTube channel. Naturally, subscribe and follow the podcast. Please take time to rate and review us on iTunes. And naturally, I will read them out at the start of next week's show. Talking of which, as I say every week, there are two reviews that have come in. Now, the first one is by a guy by the name of Chok Chochin. And he's from the United States of America. He's given us, Paul, five stars. And his summary is fantastic and possibly star-studded show. This show is a must-listen for anyone who bets on golf. They definitely have the knowledge and the skills to navigate you through the roughs and bunkers to help you with your betting picks. Do you see what he's doing here? Yeah, yeah some, some, some nice tie-in with the uh, golfing lingo there. I like it. <laughs> he misses Barry, though, but he'll hopefully be <laughs> back wish, soon. Don't we all? He misses don't Barry, and hopefully he'll be back soon. Look, the fact of the matter is, when Barry is back in Ireland, after his tax exemption in Dubai, when he's back... Now, I don't think it's going to be too much longer. He will be back a regular on the show. It's just that the time yeah. difference and whatever, it doesn't really help. And we, we've actually been recording a few shows Tuesday morning, which clearly Barry is then at work in Dubai. So, um, but he will be back, don't panic. Um, have one more listening to them than before I found them. It's also entertaining to me being in the US and listening to someone who sounds a lot like the legend Michael Caine. He must mean you. That's you, Paul. You know who you are talking golf. Makes me chuckle every time I listen. So which one of us sounds like Michael Caine? It's got to be me, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I think it is. It's, you're, you're the more mature man of the service, Steve. That's true. I'm going to be at the Royal Port Rush for the Open Championship on the Wednesday practice round. If you're there, hit me up. Love to buy you guys a beer. Keep up the great work, and as I am writing this on Saturday, bet uh, bet your Saturday money on Molinari and Mitchell. See? He got that mm. right as well. Yeah. Uh, you guys are number one and extremely entertaining. Um, Choco, Choc, Choc Chin, thank you very much for that review. That is very, very pleasing of you. And uh, to add salt to the wounds, you actually had Molinari last week, so uh, well done on <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, well done. We've also got Jim Irwood from the United Kingdom. Incredible level of detail, five stars. I'm an honest punter who knows I've lost more bets than I've won in my life. Talk to me about it. I enjoy (laughs) my golf bets rather than rely on them, but obviously prefer to win. That not uh, 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 prefer to win, 
and have a run for my money every any given Sunday. First time listen and posting this on a Thursday, but win or lose, these boys do all the hard graft and make you think about your selections in a new, enlightened way. Keep it up, boys. Jim Irwood from Great Britain. And this is the point. That's a that's really good from Jim because as we say, um, we try and just enlighten the listeners, don't we? Yeah, I, trying to break down a field of 150 players or thereabouts on both tours each week. I, we're never going to cover all of the players in this conversation we have on a Monday evening or a Tuesday morning. And, you know, best will in the world, you're going to miss a few as well, aren't you? But um, if we somehow help you guys to uh, to go along the, the right path and find a few winners along the way, then fantastic. And clearly some of you are... Some of you are very much capable of uh, picking your own winners yourselves. So, uh, yeah, you don't need us But yes, thanks for those two uh, two reviews, two very detailed reviews as well, which is uh, nice to see. So thanks, guys. Keep five, them coming. Five stars, Paul. Mm. Um, congratulations to you on Jorge Campillo last week. Second place. Have you ever, ever seen a golf tournament where... Nine players finish runner-up. No, it's a bit of an odd one, isn't it? Oh. It's a shame, really, that it didn't go to a ten-man playoff, isn't it? That would have been uh, something to behold had uh, had we managed to get to that point. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, alas, Justin Harden was a, a bit too good for everyone on the Sunday in the end. But, uh, but yeah, two-thirds of the money back with seven places each way on Campillo, which... Um, just about covered the week. It's a shame, really, because actually he, he hit the front after a decent start. He was three under through five, I think it was on Sunday. And um, looking very good at that point. And um, did start to get a little bit excited that he might uh, put these uh, five second-place finishes that he'd had to his name before that point um, behind him. But, but clearly not. He added a, a sixth to his tally. Um, but still played very well. Um <laughs> It's a, you know it's like a like a hot potato that lead at the uh, in yeah. any of those European tour events. I saw a couple it? of tweets about it. People saying that the quality's so low now; it's literally it's just a hot potato, and eventually someone's holding it at the finish. It's it's like one of these PGA Tour alternate events, isn't it? Mm. But someone's got to win. Like, yeah, exactly. I mean, like Kitchiama, like, um, the week before, you know he. He just came through right at the end, didn't he? You know, from the sixteenth, he, he you know he looked out of it, and then uh, um, you know if you can make that run at the right time, and um, you know you don't put yourself mentally under that pressure, then uh, then that's one way of getting it done. And Harden finished a little bit earlier than some of the other guys, and uh, you know so many players had a chance to win. You know, Eric Van Rooyen, how you know he he could have won that by three or four strokes quite comfortably, but. Uh, didn't happen for him on the Sunday. You know, Campillo, during the course of the week, he had his chances as well. But, you know, every one of those players who's finished second, you could you could point to a, a missed part or a bit of bad luck here or there or, you know, missed opportunities that prevented them from getting those extra extra couple of shots that would have got them over the line. So, but yeah, nice nice to actually uh, walk away from that without too much damage, which was uh, which was positive. My players played like absolute jerks. <laughs> Terrible. I thought I had half a chance with Patrick Reed on Friday. He was actually second at six under. Then he started playing yep. like a jerk. Six yeah, at didn't eight, he? shots four over on the on the on the Saturday. Thanks, Patrick. 
So yeah, apps didn't have a sniff last week. Absolutely no sniff at all. But yeah, um, I, th- I did think he was going to do a little bit better than that, Paget Reid. I, yeah, I must, you, must admit, that I... quality. Once they get right at the top of the leaderboard on a Friday, you think they're going to hang around? Mm. Similar, very similar to Sergio Garcia the week before. He got to yeah, set. Yeah. He, he was he was literally one off the lead, and then he gave them all away on the final four holes of the of the Friday, and never really because he was putting so poorly, he couldn't get back into it. Mm. Yeah, didn't but, recover. Yeah. Listeners what a round from uh, what a round from Frankie to win it though, wasn't it? What a round! I, it's always easy, it's always easy, and people don't believe you. But I did have a good look at, at uh, Molinari because he was top yeah. he was top fifteen, top seventeen for strokes gained tee to green at Mexico. So you could tell he'd been doing some you know good work off the course, even though he hadn't yeah. played a lot. And he had we such a great him, yes. record at Bay Hill. And absolutely yeah, we, fantastic. Everyone seems to think that it's a, it, and I was including this, it's a pure bombers track, but that's been disproved. Yeah. Now we talked, we talked about him briefly last week in the pod, didn't we? And uh, you know about him being lightly raced, about him having had that uh, bout of flu that, um, that knocked him out before Mexico, and mm-hmm. clearly he came back in Mexico. What did he finish seventeenth thereabouts? Yeah, wasn't it some of them? He's playing all right, man. Um, he did have a show. Yeah. He did uh, one round in there where he he um, scored a, a very nice number in one of the rounds. So mm. it was kind of there. Uh, it's just another one of those. Go through periods when you when you're picking all the wrong players. But he, he's a mm. decent. Sh- he was a decent shout, Molinar. Yeah, he shot a sixty-seven in round two mm. in uh, Mexico, four under. Yeah. So yeah. Some good performances from some of the European contingent, though. I must well, say. we said it, we we really did focus on this last week. Dubai Desert Classic, and it just yeah. came absolutely to fruition, didn't it? Molinari's got, I think, a, a third at, at Dubai Desert Classic. Uh, Matt Wallace came; he was right in the mix as well. Very, mm. very impressive, Matt Wallace. I know that you're one of his biggest fans, and um, mm. for him to be contending at the very sharp end of big. PGA Tour events already just shows you the quality we're dealing with the guy. Yeah, he's not overawed, is he? He's not. Uh, he's not not out of his depth. No, um, he's not going to be. Time. You and I, yeah. you and I were completely poo pooed when we said he should be in the Ryder Cup team. But we said at the time that this guy is different gravy, and yeah. just this foray into the states is telling you where he's at. He's a he's a high quality operator, Wallace. He's going to yeah. win a lot of tournaments. I think he's going to win a lot of tournaments in the states as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. You say, you reckon he might win a US Open in the future? Yeah, I think he's got that kind of mentality. I think he's, um, he, you know, I wouldn't say he's an all out and out grinder because I think there's more to his game than that. Um, and clearly, when he's, I, I remember when he won, um, he won in Portugal when he won his first European Tour event, and I was on him that week, and he opened with a ten under par first round. So clearly, he can. He can score very, very heavily, but uh, it's the nature of the wins that he's had that have been on different surfaces, on different types of courses, mm. um, and I think it's his mental strength which is probably going to be the factor that differentiates him from a lot of his peers, You know, who may well be equally capable, but it's that little bit between your ears which can ultimately uh, be the difference between someone who you know really can go on and contend in majors versus someone who's... Uh, you know, just a very, very good player. But uh, I'll watch with interest how his career develops over the next few years because, um, like you just said, I think he's got a lot going for him over over the course of his career. You had Wallace, who was third this year in Dubai. I know that you mm. tipped up Matt Fitzpatrick in Dubai. 
Yeah. Um, he's got a couple of top fives there, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Clearly, yeah. he was leading. Uh, we know that Rory McIlroy is a two-time winner there. It was just and Rafa Cabrera Barrow's won there. Yeah. It was just, and you could. T- don't get us wrong, uh, American listeners, and we know there's a lot of you out there. Um, it's just fact, though, that when the greens and aren't receptive, uh, and when conditions over in the states get tricky, you just get European players that start coming to the top of leaderboards. Yeah. Now that's not to say that a Ricky Fowler or Brooks Kepka can't do it because they did a, they did the week before at the Honda Classic, but only really the true elite. I mean that leaderboard yesterday. If uh, Keith Mitchell hadn't shot that 66, there wouldn't have been a US flag on there. No. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's one of those events, isn't it? I think, we, again, it's something that's been highlighted before. You get these types of events that do appear to have a lot of European names littered on and around the leaderboard. Oh, yeah. You know, at various points. Exactly. Molinari, Fitzpatrick, Cabrillo Barrow, um, Fleetwood, and then we had Sung J.M., who's a, he's a player, that guy. Mm. Then you had Kang, McElroy, Keith Mitchell in sixth, tied sixth with Matt Wallace. Then Benny Ann, another European tour player. Glover, Cokerag, who does like a top ten without actually paying out. Luke List, who we know can grind it on fast surfaces on Bermuda. And Adam Long, who finished like an absolute train, five under. But yeah, it was European domination last week at uh, the Arnold yeah. Palmer Invitational. It doesn't mean it will continue, far from it, but... Um, also interesting again to see that Im, Kang, and Anne. There you go. It sounds like um, sounds like a boy band, doesn't it? Im, Kang, and Anne uh, all finishing the top ten Presidents Cup. Yeah, it's happening. Yeah, it's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. None of them That's, have won. Um, no, no. That, I think the the link between uh, Matt Fitzpatrick and um, and Billy Foster as a caddy, that's going to be a very strong relationship. I think I, I hinted on it. When did that when start? I, I wasn't aware. It was, um, they'd, they'd been doing a little bit of work just before Christmas, I think, but it's only really since he's come back out. And I'd noted it for the uh, Dubai Desert Classic, as you said, because I put up uh, Fitzpatrick, I backed him, and I think he was leading after the first round. And that's, you know, the interaction with him and Billy seemed to be very, very strong. You know, I think they'd worked together a week before in Singapore. Um, you know, that had been a bit under the radar. And then um, he, they, they, you know, obviously on all, all of our TV screens when he got to Dubai. But that, that could be a real step forward for the career of Matt Fitzpatrick, I think. A good Yorkshire link there, yeah. yeah I like his Leeds United yeah. cap. I was watching last night with Billy Foster. <laughs> he got the old Leeds United cap off. Brilliant. But yes, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I think that's going to do Matt Fitzpatrick the world of good. A lot of um, a lot of uh, naysayers have said that Fitzpatrick would be uh, not strong enough, not good enough for the PGA Tour. But again, you know, second on a on a supposed bombers golf course, I think he played very very well, Fitzpatrick. Again, and I say this all the time with these guys, a lot of it is picking the right schedule. It's yeah. having the advisors and the support around you to say, well, actually, you shouldn't just be playing the week before a major. You should actually be focusing on tournaments that are actually going to suit you and get enough FedEx Cup points in the bag to, yeah. um, you know, to actually become a fully fledged PGA Tour member. That's an interesting point with Matt Wallace this week because that cost on the final that that part in the final green cost him a hell of a lot of. Um, 
they don't accrue FedEx Cup points, but the way that they work it through for special temporary membership is based upon the amount of FedEx Cups earned by the 126th man last year. And right. I can't tell you exactly how many points Wallace got, but that cost him a load of points, that missed part mm. on 18. So I don't think he's accrued enough to have special temporary membership, but that's something he was going to continue to gun for, clearly. Because at that yep. point, he can play whenever he wants on the PGA Tour. Yeah, and he's, he's top 50 now as well, isn't he? So he's going to get um, starts all over the place that he, that he wants, isn't he? But but yes, if he's, uh, his ambition is to get that uh, special temporary membership, then yeah, we can't afford to do what he did on the 18th. Uh, well, it's times, the same right? with Fitzpatrick. If he goes to, which he will, I'm sure, he'll go to... Um, He'll go to Harbour Town the week after the Masters, and he's always said that that's his favourite mm. golf course in the world. Yeah, he's yeah. never done any good round there. But if he actually went there and won there, I know it's a big ask, but if he did, and he's a quality top 50 player in the world, and that kind of golf course with the fade and his accuracy will suit him, mm. um, he then actually would be on the FedEx Cup and he would be then available for the playoffs later on in the year. So it's big, big yeah. money. But, uh, yeah... It's all we said at the start of the season. One of the interesting things would be the likes of Fitzpatrick, the likes of Wallace, how they would go um, in America, and they've clearly done well. I mean, Thomas Peters went well a couple of years ago, didn't he? So, you know, yeah, Alex Noren did, didn't he, for a while? And don't forget, Wallace, he was at um, University of Alabama, so it's not as if he's not experienced over in the States. No, 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 and when he's playing well, he's capable of uh, attacking any course, I think. Right, let's talk uh, sawgrass. A couple of things to bring out, I think. Uh, one thing I'm going to ma- mention before we start um, is our golf betting system exclusive deal that we've got with Triple Eight Sport this week. Mm. Um, effectively, they are offering treble the odds on a player, on a player's bet of your choice, and it's paid in cash. So, uh, golf betting system readers or listeners. Uh, being offered an exclusive treble the odds on any player. It has to be a single bet, win only, no each-way bets, at the 2019 Players' Championship. This deal is for new customers only and is valid on your first bet. Deposit £10 or €10 via a payment card. It has to be a credit card or debit card. No PayPal, no e-wallets for your first deposit. Um, Then place your first win-only bet with a stake of £10 or €10 on any player at the 2019 Players' Championship. You will then receive treble the odds if they win, which is paid in withdrawable cash. Which actually, at a tournament like this, and you know, at a major tournament, I know it's not major, but you see what I'm saying, it's the strongest field in golf. When you've got McElroy, Dustin Johnson, Thomas, Rose, Kepka, Molinari, Fowler, Fleetwood, all at the top, Woods... And you fancy one of those severely, you haven't got a treble eight sport account, you can effectively get treble the odds on a win only bet for a tenner or a ten euros. I think that's a it is a golf betting system exclusive. So um if you're interested in that, there is a link in the description box of this podcast and there are key terms and conditions. But yeah, yeah. we've run it for a while, haven't we, with Treble Eight and it's proved popular in the past. So um, Yeah, they've they've picked um picked and chosen a couple of the key events over the years to run the run the promotion on but yeah typically we've done it at the open championship or the masters but uh, but with the uh, with the players being the first big event in that respect of the season and uh, it is, you know it's classed as the fifth major isn't it and it's mm. it's not a million miles off at all is it they call it the strongest field in golf yeah yeah it's a hugely competitive field so uh, but yes if you haven't got a treble eight account then uh, 
flick through, have a look at the T's and C's, and, uh, and uh, if you fancy a go, then uh, why not? There are a few details to note this year. I mean, we, we see the players, of course, at TPC Sawgrass Stadium course. We see it every year. Mm. Um, we know exactly what we're dealing with. Do you want to mention the Bet Fred competition we're running? Yeah, yeah. So this talk, one's we, on. We run a, the because I'm just talking about the golf course, and of course, the famous hole is the 17th, the Island 17th. Yeah, this is this is again. This is something that we've run for a few years, and it it's always piques the imagination. Um, so if you can imagine the 17th hole, um, we know every year there's a load of balls going in the water. Um, and uh, one of the big kind of side shows as part of the Players' Championship is, uh, is how many of these balls go in the water during the course of the week. So um, we run this competition each year. Um, Betfred have sponsored it with a £50 free bet or currency equivalent. Yeah. Um, and we need you to guess how many balls in total are going to find their way into the water during the course of the four days. Now, of course, there's only a finite number of um balls that we're actually going to go in so um we need a tie break with this as well so the tie break is to guess what the cumulative score to par relative to par will be for the 17th hole during the course of the four week four days as well so two numbers um what the total number of balls going in the water is and what the relative score to par is of the 17th, 17th hole over the course of the four days. And that's your entry. And we can accept entries via Twitter to myself at Golf Betting, um, via email or on our Facebook group. And there's a dedicated thread on there. Should I read out a typical entry, Paul? A typical yes, entry, on. not that you and I can enter, would read something like, balls in the water, 69. Score to par, plus 100. And yep. if you're entering on uh, Twitter, you'd, you'd put hashtag GBSComp. Yep. You can also enter uh, via email and also via a, our Golf Betting System Facebook group. Um, we will put all of the details and a link through to all the competition details in the description box. But yes, always a popular little competition we won't run. Well, it is, yeah, and because there's so much variance in the the, the actual number of balls that, that do go in. I mean, mm. in 2070 there were 93 in total. In 2010 there were 29. So, you know, <laughs> trying to second guess the conditions, trying to second guess how well the players are going to play. I mean, that two, 2007 uh, event it was horrifically windy on the on the Thursday. And they had 50 balls in the water just from the Thursday alone. Carnage. So, absolute carnage. I'd love to so, so, virtually one in three um, players um, went into the water. And some of them clearly went in twice. But, um, but yeah, nearly one in three found the water during the course of that Thursday. Absolute carnage. And I think there's a bit of wind. Well, you'll get to, the, get to the forecast when we get there. But I think there's a little bit of wind in the forecast this week as well. Yeah. Gonna be a little bit tougher, I think, this year. Um, stadium mm. course, TPC Sawgrass, Pete Dye Design. Uh, probably his most famous design, isn't it? If you're thinking of other courses, you know, Harbour Town springs to mind. Uh, we've also got some designs that he's uh, penned together. Um, here we go. Whistling Straits, Ocean Course at Keira Island. He also, uh, TPC River Highlands, where they play the Travellers every year. TPC Louisiana, the Zurich Classic of New Orleans, Harbour Golf Town Lynx, 
We've also got a Crooked Stick. I mean, there's so many good courses that he's designed mm. over the years, but this is his most famous. But there, I think there's a couple of changes this year, this year that need to be noted. Um, the course itself is just a smidge under two hundred uh, seven thousand two hundred yards. It's a par seventy two. You get you think to yourself, oh my God, you know, seven thousand two hundred yard par seventy two on the PGA Tour. That's going to get smashed to bits. <laughs> it's going to get absolutely annihilated. No, um, but this is the point, isn't it? It's a die design, and you, you read. I mean, there's loads and loads of player quotes in my um, preview. Um, they say you know he plays tricks with your minds, the, you know the visual side of things where you know you've got to trust your shots, you've got to actually because you can't physically see elements and you've just got to trust that you know it's going to work out okay. And the sheer fact that fourteen of the eighteen holes got water hazards. Mm. <laughs> so I did tell you last week that Siwoo Kim would miss the cut, and he did because I backed him and I tipped him. <laughs> And every time he got to a hole with water, he was banging it straight in the water. So I'll be interested to see how well he goes this week with 14 of 18 holes having water hazards. But then with with, uh, with no weight of your money on his shoulders, oh, Steve, sure he'll probably free, free him up a little bit. He'll be leading after 36 holes and half of Twitter <laughs> will have 100 to 1 tickets on him. I've got no doubt about that. Greens are 5,000 square feet, so they're pretty small. And they featured Tiff Eagle Bermuda Grass but they have now of course moved this tournament where it used to be played in the middle of May so between the um, Masters and the US Open they've now moved it to March and this is the first time since 2006 that the tournament has been played in this particular year and that was one of the things I kind of charged myself with this week to kind of suggest what used to happen when this was mm. played pre-Masters. And would, would, was there any tangible difference between what we would see in May and what we'd see in March? And it was just kind of... 2006, Stephen Ames, Canadian, he finished seventh of the Honda Classic two weeks before he won this. Fred Funk, good old Fred Funk, won this in 2005. He'd finished 23rd the week before with Bay Hill. Adam Scott won in 2004. He'd finished third the week before at Bay Hill. Uh, 2003, DL3 won. He was second at Honda Classic two weeks before. Uh, Perks was completely off the wall. The Australian 02, he was a rookie. First, t the last tournament debutant to ever win this, by the way, in 02. 2001, mm. Tiger Woods. He'd Guess what? He'd won the week before at Bay Hill. Hal Sutton in 2000. 29th at Bay Hill the week before. 7th at the Honda Classic two weeks before that. So that's kind of telling me that if you've got some real immediate form up front, back in, May, back in when this was played in March, it was actually very positive towards you. And don't forget, back then, this was either two or three weeks before the Masters. So it, wasn't, yeah. it was really a case of players truly truly wanting to peak for the the masters in you know within 21 28 days yep yeah and i don't i'm not so sure you got that when it was played in may 
I think a lot of the elite players, they were kind of just in off time before majors, and I'm not sure they really chased it that hard. And you can no, you was, can tell yeah. that from winning prices. Yeah. Simpson last year, hundred to one. Siwoo Kim, well five hundred to one, but you know he's a, he's an outlier. Fowler, sixty sixes. Keimer, ninety to one. Now that was what the year he won this, and then he went on to win the U.S. Open. Mm. Kuchar, fifty fives. Choi, forty fives. Clark, a hundred. There's only two short price winners of this. Twenty sixteen was Jason Day. He won coming off a fifth in New Orleans, and I think he'd already won at Bay Hill and the World Match Play. Tiger Woods, of course, 2013. He'd won at Bay Hill, and I think he'd also won in Doral that year at 9-1. to one. Both were reigning world number ones when they won this, 13 and 16, Woods and Day. So that kind of puts me straight off short price, very top-of-the-market players, because they don't mm. tend to win it. If you actually look at the past five renewals, the average price here is 154-1. to one. If you go back across all the uh, winners here to 2010, it's 108-1. to one. The average yeah. price. I mean, yeah, uh, Kim clearly, clearly, yeah, Kim clearly screws that. Up. Kim, Kim pushes that out, but even so, you're not talking, you know, sixteen to one or twenty to one shots getting over the line each year. Are you? It doesn't seem that way, does it? No. Now I will go back to the course because we're now in March. They've had to overseed the golf course, and I think that's where this becomes interesting. They have now have the greens, have Tiff Eagle Bermuda grass as a base, but sitting on top of that Bermuda grass, we have Poa Trivialis and Velvet Bent Grass. And on the fairways and rough, they have also put ryegrass and fescue into the rough. So it's not pure Bermuda grass rough anymore. Mm. It's actually a pretty standard mix of Bermuda grass, ryegrass and fescue. So you could say, well, what does that physically do? Well, in my mind, it makes it potentially better for players that prefer bent grass golf courses. That's my view on it. And if you're looking for golf courses that share these kind of putting, um, putting um, complex um, in terms of the grass... All you've got to do is look at the likes of the Golf Club of Houston, where they play the Houston Open. Look at TPC San Antonio, where they play the Valero Texas Open. And also look at TPC Scottsdale, where they play the Waste Management Phoenix Open. If you want winners who have won on this type of surface recently, two wins, Hideki Matsuama, Phil Mickelson, one win. Paul Casey, Ricky Fowler, Henley, Hoffman, Holmes, Kepka. Laird, Landry, Poulter, Scott, Stanley, Steele, Walker, Gary Woodland. It's an interest, interesting dynamic, isn't it? Because, you know, in my mind, Sawgrass is a, is a proper Bermuda green test, but clearly it's going to be slightly different. It is going to react slightly differently. It's, you know, it's earlier in the season. Um, as you say, it's been overseeded, particularly on the greens. That will make a, will make a difference. Now we were having a chat, weren't we? And this, this, we were having a chat with Barry recently, weren't we? Now that he's over in Dubai, and he mm. said to us that what he's discovered already when he went out there, because he went out there in was it late January? Yeah, but he said a lot of the golf courses out there are overseeded because clearly it gets cold at night time. Yep. And then when it gets 
you know, up to the ridiculous temperatures they get out in Dubai in the summer, it then, of course, becomes pure Bermuda grass. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, and I can't confirm this, and you couldn't confirm it either, but it makes a level of sense. Some of the greens that they play either in Abu Dhabi and Dubai Desert Classic will be overseeded. Yeah. What they overseed them with, we don't know. And the European Tour website is so basic that it doesn't tell you. But there might be something in there. It's certainly worth considering, isn't it? It's, um, it's, it's going to change the dynamics of the... Of the uh, the surfaces to a degree and it, it probably goes some way to explain why you get some players who you would ordinarily not assume are going to play well on Bermuda greens because they you know frankly have got a lack of experience here particularly on the European tour mm. who then take to it like a duck, duck to water and that's probably more in the way that it's actually composed um, you know just just to keep it going over the over the winter time in that particular part of the world. Now, you mentioned, we're, we're clearly time pressure as well, you mentioned wind, so let's crack on. Um, yeah, there's going to be wind. Uh, it was pretty calm last week, but this, this week we're seeing 15 to 20 miles an hour on Thursday, 10 to 15 on Friday. We're also seeing hot 25 to 27 degree temperatures the opening two days, and then a, and then a weather front comes through, and all of a sudden that heat disappears. Mm. Um, we've then got... Uh, 16 to 19 degrees on Saturday and Sunday, so very European in its temperature. You know, this isn't going to be your typical 28, 30 degrees sweltering, humid, southern Florida um, temperatures. And it's also going to be blowing up to 20 miles an hour on Sunday, which around here focuses minds. Yeah, it can play havoc, can't it? It It's a tricky enough test as it is. I think it's going to be windier than it was last year. Because actually, um, if you look at the winds last year, 5 to 10 Thursday, 7 to 14 Friday, and they drenched, they absolutely drenched the golf course Wednesday night. You read the interviews on anything on Tuesday, went, oh, it's going to play firm and fast. All the players, oh, it's firm, it's fast. And they clearly went out there on the th- on the fr- Wednesday night and drenched the course because mm. I think they were scared that the greens were going to be similar to what they were the year before when it was out of control. With, yeah, the, yeah. with the new yeah. greens and they drenched it and all of a sudden Webb Simpson's coming in after shooting like nine under par going oh, it was so soft couldn't believe it there was no wind <laughs> now whether they I, I'm not so sure they'll do the same this year on the basis that A it's overseeded B it's been quite wet in the build up and C uh, those greens have had another year to settle down yeah yeah they shouldn't be as bouncy should they but I think wind's going to be a fat feature I really do I think wind's going to be a feature um it's also very famous, this course here, this die design, for not favouring any style of golfer. And you just look at the tournament stats, be they the traditional accuracy, greens and reg, proximity, um, part and average, or you look at strokes gained, basically anyone can win around here. Uh, you can be long and bash it. You can have a great short game. The, the numbers that do jump out, um, last three winners, strokes gained, T to green, so 16, 17, 18, Simpson, Kim Day, Strokes gained around the green, they average sixth. So you've got to have a scrambling game here. You have to mm. have a scrambling game. So someone like Gary Woodland, for example, I just can't have him around here because he, he just cannot scramble well enough in my mind. Strokes gained around the green, sixth. Strokes gained tee to green, seventh. Strokes gained putting, fairly indifferent, 15th. So it isn't as much of a putting contest as we thought and uh, it became that last week Bay Hill because Bay Hill those numbers were actually uh, strokes game putting were third 
And yeah. if we look last last night, Francesco Molinari finished fourth for strokes game putting at Bay Hill. This isn't as emphasised on the short stick. It's more about scrambling and tee to green. Is there anyone that you're backing, Paul, before I go into my players? Um, I, do you know, I, it's late on Monday and I haven't actually backed anyone yet. We the, have been flat out and there's so much going on. Um, you haven't had a chance? No, I mean, the, the players that have caught my eye... I mean, Matt Kuchar, I think, has been playing good enough golf to warrant a slightly shorter price than 66s this week. Yeah. Um, clearly, he's a winner around here in the past, and um, he's got the short game. He can play in a bit of wind as well. He should um, have just paid his caddy, shouldn't he? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, won this. <laughs> that's the only the only thing that kind of puts me off a little bit is uh, you know the negativity that still yeah. surrounds that, but. Um, mm. But yeah, other than that, I mean, pl- players who've caught my eye recently have been playing well. Johnny Vegas, um, 175 to 1 for Vegas, and he's been playing some great stuff. And I know you and I have talked about how and where he wins, and um, I kind of tend to prefer him on slightly um, easier tracks, but um, you know, there's lots to like about him the way he's been playing recently. Um, Kisner. Again, if you're talking about short game, 125 to one, he was yeah. he was there or thereabouts for most of last yeah, week. And he's then, finished uh, second here in the past, yeah. Yeah, he dropped away at the end, and um, again, 125 to one to take a chance on kids potentially. You do get um, big prices here, Paul. Let, I mean, this do, may yeah. change slightly because of the time in the tournament, as we were saying. But listen to this: last year, Simpson the hundred, Schwartz or one tens, Schofelli, your friend, Schofley, 125 mm. to one, Walker, 110 to one. Yeah, Paul was three hundred yeah. to one when he was second here in twenty seventeen, behind oh, no, five hundred to one. See Wu Kim. Do you think the uh, bookmakers had a good week that week? Hmm. Um, I might have to back Jim Furyk, who I backed on his last start, finished ninth. So it was a shot outside the uh, shot outside the places. But again, I think he's um, he's playing some decent enough stuff. He still he topped uh, driving accuracy at the uh, at the Honda. So you know from the from the tee, he's still. Still very very accurate, and it's not particularly long this course, is it? So he can still compete in that respect. At the top of the market, I probably would go with Chauvelin. Um, I again, I haven't backed him yet, but um, he's the kind of player that I think tends to step up his game when it gets uh, gets pretty serious in terms of the serious quality field that he's playing against. And again, he's got the short game and uh, um, the putting ability to to get around this course, as we saw last year. Um, but then uh, going back to Mexico, I backed him in Me- Mexico when we talked about it a couple of weeks back. And uh, well, she didn't, I didn't get close enough to actually do anything that week, did he? But um, he was first total drive and the first ball strike in that week. So mm. there's uh, there's lots in patches to like about his game, and uh, he would be my pick at the top of the market. There's a lot of big prices here that interest. I mean, Keith mm. Mitchell, 125 to one. He's off a first and a top five finish last week, or top ten, mm. wasn't it? 125 yeah. to 1. There's always someone that's got some really... Sh- I, was all, I almost swore. Some really strong form on Bermuda that just comes in and keeps that going. Mitchell, 125s. Yeah. Sung Jaim, 125 to 1 with Unibet right now. That's a silly price. Mm. I mean, he's playing exceptional golf. You mentioned Kisner, 125 to 1 available. There's some very good players out there with that kind of 125, 150 level that are going to get in the mix, I think. Yeah, I won't even mention Daniel Berger because he won't do anything. Johnny Vegas, as you said, 175s. Michael Thompson at 150s. He's been playing well on Bermuda. Yeah. I'll tell you another one that caught my eye. Our old friend Ryan Palmer. 200 yeah. to 1 with Unibet. 
coming off a 63 in the final round at the Honda Classic. Mm. He's got a top five here. I think we might have been on him that year, you know. Yeah, I, I still have concerns in, about him in the heat of battle when he's actually in the mm. mix. But, uh, but a 200 to 1 for a place. Yeah, I mean, he could be the kind of player that you bat first round leader, actually, given that his, his last round was a you know a very strong effort and uh, he gets a decent draw. Potentially something to look at when the uh, tea times are out tomorrow evening. Right, my four to avoid, yeah? I've got... Uh, I am going Matt Wallace, two points, top ten, finish at nine to one with Unibets. I mean, that is a fairly obvious reason why, because he's playing so damn good. Mm. Um, I just, I don't know. I'd rather get two points on a top ten than waste a point, because, you know, he's very unlikely to win. Uh, two top, two points at top ten at nine to one. I think that could happen because he's just playing so well. I was surprised actually how well Fitzpatrick was priced as well. For a guy that's just coming off second, ninety to one available at Unibet right now. Yeah. And again, you think the players might suit him? You know, it's tight, it's niggly, don't need to be powerful. So I could see that happening as well in terms yeah. of Fitzpatrick. Whether you just don't know how they're going to react, do you? After after coming so close to to winning, going out in the final group. And then they're then going out in a tournament that's at a major level in terms of the crowds, the the interviews, the media. So he could just cruise through it. So I've gone nine to one with uh, with Matt Wallace. Um, I'm taking a deep breath, but another player I really like this week is Ian Poulter. I know that you weren't some, you, yeah. you weren't overly no, no, impressed no. when I gave the tip to you, but. He's playing some really great stuff at the moment. He's had two, yeah. two seconds here. Yeah. I oh, know he loves the track, doesn't he? There's, there's no two ways about it. And he's playing some far better golf recently. And that win last year that he had at, in Houston was on Poa Trivialist Velvet Ben Grass overseeded mm-hmm. greens. Yep, there's a few pointers that point you in that direction for sure. I just think someone that finished third in a WGC three weeks ago, and, and he's 50 to 1. He actually was 66 is about 10 minutes before we went to press, and that got eaten mm. up. So that should have been 66 to 1. But that's, a that's a, I think, 50 to 1 uh, on the place, potentially, 10 places each way with Betfair Sportsbook is a good price. Because mm. he's the kind of guy that will just grind his way around there if needs be. Good win yeah. player. And he's just playing great, isn't he? Sixth Abu Dhabi, third Dubai Desert Classic, sixth in Saudi, and also that third place in Mexico. He was quite stress-free last week. Um, I think he was top 25, but he was still hitting plenty of greens and still scrambling really, really well. Putting nicely. He's just playing nice golf. I don't just talk. gearing himself up for this week, I expect. Yeah, and if you're looking for like an elite player, that's that underbelly, someone that's just going to pop out and win something very big. He oh. kind of feels that mantle. Um, I know that Stenson's been popular this week, and at sixty-six yeah, to one. Bad. When was the last time you saw Henry Stenson at sixty-sixes? But I, st- yeah. I think I personally think that's a bit of an ask because he played a lot better last week, but he still wasn't. Typically, Tenric Stenson. Uh, next up for me is another player I think is total elite. This guy is so good from tee to green, it's frightening at the moment. But you just really don't see it. 
It's second for strokes gained approach, 21st for strokes gained around the green, 36 for sand saves, second for strokes gained tee to green on the PGA Tour this year. I mean, that is phenomenal golf. That mm. is top, top level golf. Um, third at Torrey Pines, 15th in Scottsdale, ninth at Riviera. He was a career best 19th in Mexico on pure Poana greens that he doesn't really like. And again, if you're talking about an elite player that hasn't won for a while, that's going to pop up at a reasonable price and who's playing some great golf but cannot putt for toffee, Hideki Matsuama, one and a half points each way at 40 to 1, eight places each way at 50 odds with ball sports. And I've always said to you, and I don't care what any stats people throw at me, he, he struggles like sin on Bermuda grass greens. That's my opinion. Cannot put on. He really struggles on Bermuda grass. You look at his five PGA Tour wins. They've all got bent grass in within there. Yeah. Uh, with all yeah, every single one of his wins has got bent grass in there somewhere. I think yeah, two yeah. are pure. One's bent power, and two of them. Guess what? TPC Scottsdale, uh, overseeded. Poa Trivialis with Velvet Bent Grass Greens. So if he yeah. turns up here and actually thinks, oh, these greens are running a bit truer this week, there's none of this, not as much grain, they feel a bit like Scottsdale, and he and if, if he just takes a tenth off his putting average, he has to contend. Has the to. way he's striking the ball, yeah, absolutely. Has to. Seventh Can't year, two years ago, uh, and he was second that year after 54 holes. That was the year that day, uh, sorry, three years ago, the year that day one, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Second spot, 2016, going into Sunday. So I do like Hiteki Matsuama. Because he is. Uh, for, for, yeah, you for look at the leaderboard quality. and you just think Hideki's struggling. But his number, he just, it's just that he simply cannot putt at the moment. Awful. Mm. But at some stage, that will change. And it will change on bent grass. You know that. Yeah. And you'll get a very nice win on Hideki at a good price. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes well this week. Finally, couldn't resist... Two points each way, 28 to 1. Ten plates each way, 50 odds. I was slightly surprised that he was this price. I thought he might be a tad shorter. But I just... If you if we go back to that list that I read you about March winners, seventh, yep. Honda. Third, Bay Hill. Second, Honda. First, Bay Hill. Seventh, Honda. Tommy Fleetwood, two points each way, 28 to 1. Just playing. It was good for big chunks last week, wasn't he? Did you really see? Good. Did you see any of the golf on Saturday? Saturday, no, I watched it on Sunday, so I missed when he. Because um, what did he shoot on Saturday? Seventy-six or something. Yeah, so uh, he's, he does have a habit of doing that on a Saturday, doesn't he? It's, uh, it's not the first time that he's got got himself into a decent position and then uh, then dropped away a bit on the Saturday. But he's a great player in the golf, isn't he? Mm. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, he's a great player, full stop, isn't he? He's, uh, he steps himself up to that kind of level. Here goes his quote from last year. I love the golf course. It's one of my favourites. Whether I do well or not, it's still one of my favourite courses. You've got to be smart. You've got to hit it well. But yeah, you've always got to keep it realistic as this is one of the toughest tests you're ever going to get in golf. And if we go to Kuchar, Simpson, Jason Day, Ricky Fowler, Martin Keimer, uh, Tiger Woods, of course, they'd all played well at US Opens in the past. And we know fourth, was it fourth a couple of years ago and then second last year at Shinnecock? He's yeah. just got the temperament for it. So I couldn't resist. 
I hope. And don't forget, his best mate won last week. If that's not going to yeah, spur yeah, you on, yeah. what is? Yeah, yeah. Get a bit of the old bromance going again. Yeah. Well, that's that's my four for the uh, players. Um, let's let's talk about the Kenyan Open, Paul. The magical Kenya Open. Ma- magical Kenyan <laughs> Open. We should have a jingle for that. Magical Kenya uh, uh, Open. I need, I need to try and find out what's, um, what's so magical about it, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's magical because all the players in, in the field have disappeared and they're struggling <laughs> to actually get a field together. Oh, that's been a bit of a farce, yeah. I mean, it is a very low-key affair anyway because it's only just over a million euros as the prize fund. Um, but they did, they, they've struggled to get a field together by the sounds of it. I was reading a few tweets over the weekend, where um, they were trying to cobble together the final few to uh, I've been so actually busy. make the numbers up. You and I have been so flat out today. I haven't even looked at the field in this. I, oh my god, <laughs> Justin Harvin, twelve to one. It's um, yeah, I, you know, again, he, he played well last week, but um, I, you, Eric Van Rooyen had uh, best price of sixteens. Um, anyone who got burnt on him last week probably uh, thinking twice before. Uh, before spending their uh, their hard earned on, on on Eric this week, but um, in this quality of field, anything can happen. Someone's got to take the title, haven't they? So uh, yeah. we shall see. What would you I mean, get if this you event... won this? Is it a year's exemption on the PGA on the European <laughs> Tour? Is it they one of post sanction job is? It's one of these ones because they have different tiers of uh, exemptions, and one of the tiers is um, events that are under one point five million euros yeah. in terms of prizes. So it doesn't elevate you a great deal. It it will give you some kind of status for the rest of this season, the season after. But mm. um, yeah. but yeah, it's 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 not one of the better ones to win. But uh, you know, for some players, that's that's going to give them the stepping stone they need to to move their career forward or to uh, to reignite a career that was mm. potentially been waning for a while. And this was a um, a challenge tour event until yeah. this season. Well and respected. It was yeah. one of. The, yeah, it was one of the better ones. I mean, it opened the uh, opened the Challenge Tour season for the last three years. Um, they have hopped about on the Challenge Tour. So if you're looking for um, your course history, Karen Country Club, which is where this is played, hosted the uh, the Kenya Open between 2004 and 2008. Then it took a few years off. Then between 2013 to 2016. So there was a four-year stint there. Uh, and then the last event last year, uh, well, the last two years was played elsewhere. So um, the last couple of years of Kenya Open form can be disregarded in that respect. Clearly, it was still in Kenya and, uh, you know, not dissimilar conditions, etc. But uh, was a different track. They also played the Karen Masters on the, this track on the Sunshine Tour last year, which was won by Michael Palmer. At 18 under par so there's a little bit of uh, course history to dig into um from the various tours going back from all of those events the winning scores have been between 10 under and 18 under par and that 10 under is a bit of a bit of an outlier actually most of well, all of the other events finish between 14 and 18 under so it seems like it's a very consistent kind of track um it's must be ten, attitude, ten, yeah no, no, it's, um, not not that I've noticed as being specifically at altitude. It's not a particularly long course, so it suggests that it's um, that it's not. Okay. Um, it's ten miles west of Nairobi. It's classical tree line kind of affair. 
tight fairways, but but trees generally, looking at it, aren't that close to the uh, to the to the fairways themselves. So you tend to have pretty narrow fairways, quite a bit of rough, and then the trees are generally coming in at that point. Then um, small undulating bent grass greens. They used to be Bermuda greens, but they relayed the greens. Um, back in 2015 to bent grass, so that's worth considering if you're looking at some of this older history that's here. Um, as I say, it's 6,922 yard pass 71, and they have reconfigured it a little bit since the Challenge Tour days. So um, it used to play as a pass 72, it's now 71. The third hole is playing as a very long par four. 521 yards but the rest of the course looks fairly similar to how it used to play and um, you've got three sub 350 yard par fours as well so i think you know despite it being this um classical kind of tree line to, to the degree you know to the degree that there's trees involved course it's still going to play more as a kind of a risk reward kind of layout from what i can see there's, a, there's an interesting stretch, actually. If you go through the actual scorecard between the 6th and the 12th hole, you've got a par 5 of 552 yards. You've then got four consecutive par 4s of sub 400. So 343, 393, 332, then 347 yards. So there's some really attackable holes. And then once you've got that through that stretch of um, short par 4s, you've got back-to-back -back par 5s, 567 and 524. Mm. So somebody is going to get incredibly hot during that period of seven holes. Yeah. You know, you could see someone going through those seven holes. Maybe if they've, they've popped an eagle in here or there, they could easily go through that and it's kind of six, seven under par, I think. So um, you're going to see quite a lot of fireworks, I think. Um, if you're going back to the history again, trying to decipher the kind of player that would go well here... Um, the only event where there any where there were any of the statistics that were captured was this Sun, Sunshine Tour event won by Michael Palmer last year. Um, no driving distance stats were captured for him, but he's generally reasonably lengthy. Merrick Bremner finished second. He topped the driving distance uh, stats on the week, and it kind of suggests to me that an aggressive type could well could well go well here. Mm. Um, Putting and short game look pretty key. So someone who's going to give it a smack off the tee, um, get himself into you know as you said wedge kind of distance, and then uh, rely on their short game to, to put a score together there. I reckon I know someone on your short list. Well, there's a few. Uh, there's a, there's a lot. I mean, I before the pricing, <laughs> before Does the pricing came out, <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, before the pricing came out, there were a few I fancied, but some of them at the prices, I'm just, you know, really struggling at. Um, final thing before I go into players that I have put onto a shortlist, the weather is going to be fairly consistent, but it will be pretty blowy, 15 to 20 miles an hour every afternoon. Okay. So there's going to be this kind of wind impact. Um, it's going to be consistent. It doesn't look like there's going to be any day where it varies. It's going to be pretty benign in the mornings, then tougher in the afternoons. 85 degrees and sunny each day so it's just going to be one of these one of these weeks where the players in the afternoon are going to have to endure a um, a bit of wind but um, certainly nothing that's uh, that's going to be too onerous I don't think um, players that I fancy then um, again I we're what Monday tea time 
not all of the bookies are up there. My preview will be out tomorrow lunchtime or there, but thereabouts, I expect. Um, but players I've been looking at over at the top end, um, Adrianos, um, was probably where you were going with this, Steve. Is that right? Is that Adrianos? No, it wasn't him actually. No, it wasn't him. <laughs> Although someone um, mentioned him on one of our, I think it was your video last week for the Qatar Masters, and all of a sudden he oh, popped yeah, up yeah. at the top of the leaderboard. Yeah, yeah, he's a good player. He's yeah. a good player. Um, I, at a decent price, I'd have been quite interested, but um, he ranges between eighteen to one and twenty-five to one. Mm. So that's a little bit off-putting. Um, but he's certainly got the power to attack some of these uh, these shorter sort short holes or the attackable holes. I yeah. must say. Um, I go through the list. Uh, we talked about Harding and Van Royen at the top. Uh, George Coetzee, twenty to one. Again, you know, I've, I've backed him a number of times in the past, but um, I, I struggle at that kind of price, I must say. Uh, Romain Langasque, who's finished second here in the past, twenty-five to one. You can get about him. Again, he's a, he's, he's going to be a good player. He's a good player, but um, these prices really are quite challenging, I think. And the first one that I fancy um, is Sebastian Soderberg, fifty to one. Okay. who has won here in the past. And if you look at his very recent form, he, he's been on the European Tour in the past and then uh, he dropped off. He got back onto the European Tour this year. I think he missed his first five cuts and then he's got consecutive 20, 21st place finishes in, in decent enough efforts in mm. um, in Oman and again last week. And there's a bit of, uh, you know, a few decent rounds tucked in there as well. Um, and you couple that with the fact that he won here a couple of years ago, um, then that fifty to one that's available at the moment seems seems quite attractive. Mm. Um, we had something similar, didn't we, with um, Clement Sorday a right. couple of weeks back? Uh, I'm who, yeah, who yeah. had some kind of dim and distant course form. Um, and brought a little bit of current form into the event, and uh, he went very, very close to winning, winning again mm. at a very similar price, around the fifty to one yeah, mark. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I can see a lot of correlation in that. I must say. Um, other players who, you know, ones that are worth noting: Hayden Porteous has won here before. Oliver Wilson played well last week. Um, he could go well around about the fifty to one mark. Um, Louis de Jager is another one that I'm going to give some serious thought to over the uh, yeah over the evening. I've seen him on uh, leaderboards. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and he's got a couple of wins in South Africa since the back end of October, I think it is. Um, he's he's shown some decent enough form to uh, to warrant a, a very close inspection, I think, at de Jager. Uh, Dan Hoosing. Um, who again is another one who's done well here a couple of times. Got a couple of top eight finishes here. Um, these are all players around about the 50 50, 66 to 1 type bracket um, who, who could go well. Lasse, Lasse Jensen, Espen Kofstadt, a longer price as well. Um, he's another one who he's, um, he's got a bit of form here in the past. Um, hasn't been playing particularly well, but missed, missed the cut on the number last week and. Um, Actually, he was a bit further down than that. I'm thinking someone else. But he missed the cut last week, but uh, you're getting a decent reward for someone like Espen if you're willing to uh, to take a chance on him around about 200 to 1. Um, a couple more. Ross McGowan played well last week. Um, mm. Finished fourth on a low, uh, lower level tiered event. I forget which one it was exactly. Somewhere out in South Africa, I think. It was a young Englishman at the top of the leaderboard. Did he win it? And I saw McGowan was near the top as well. 
I'd have to uh, double check what the final result was there. I must say, uh, I didn't see No, it doesn't. I can't remember. In. I didn't actually catch it. I thought you were going to say Christian Bianzut, whatever his name is. Bezwaden. Yeah, I thought you'd. I thought yeah. you'd like a bit of him because he, he's a bit of a banger, isn't he? Yeah, he's a, he, he did really well last week again. Yeah. Didn't he? He's another one. Um, yeah, he's. I think there's a lot of these players that you could make half a case for, and then you know, depending where they, depending where they fall in terms of the uh, the pricing is. Uh, it was where, where it was Steve Surrey who lost in a play playoff to your a guy that you tipped up this year, J.C. Ritchie, mm. in the Lin Popo Championship, and McGarren right, was yeah. fourth. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he had been playing well, Richie, back when I back when I tipped him. Yeah. Um, another one who caught my eye was uh, Jigger Thompson, um, around about hundred to one shot. Uh, who we know he played some really good stuff at the back end of last year, and then uh, lost his card, so he's not been playing. But mm. you know, it's, it's players like that, players like McGowan, players like Thompson, who have got to look at this as a massive opportunity to get that card for you know, even if it is a restricted card, even even if it is a card that's you know not as strong as you could get by winning a bigger tournament it's it's still a passport onto the tour and yeah there's not much to beat here there's not much to beat at all so yeah i'm going to go through a few more of the players overnight and then make a make a final decision on the kind of player that i'm or kind of team that i'm going to put forward it's not going to be a particularly elaborate staking plan this week i must say no um, no, no. There are a, lot of, a lot of unknowns with this it's but, one of those so. where you just have a little play with it yeah, I think so. Mm, I think so. And I, I think looking at the track and looking at the way it's set up, um, and reading some of the comments from when it was played on the Kenya, uh, or when it was played on the Challenge Tour, rather, I think it will be, I think it will be a decent track. I think it will be a decent event. It's um, it's just a shame it hasn't been particularly well supported and the prize funds uh, pretty poor. But uh, same with me. We deal with what we deal with. Right. I know that you've got things to be getting on with. We mm. all have. So thank you for your time, Paul. Much appreciated. Yeah, pleasure as always. And uh, it's going to be a good week of golf, especially the players. So uh, we look mm. forward to it with glee. Don't forget that Treble 8 Sport offer for Golf Betting System listeners and readers. That's in the description box. And uh, we'll be back next week. What you got next week? Next week? God, you know, my, my brain only works from one week to the next. <laughs> Well, it is the European <laughs> Tour, yeah. Well, I've got the Valspar Championship. Maybank Championship oh, next week. Okay. Yeah. Malaysia. Suljana, Gulf and Country. Yeah, yeah, yeah Suljana, yeah. which we've played before. So that's, that's a decent uh, event, yeah. And I've got yeah. Valspar, Danny Willett. Mm. That'll be that one. Right, okay. So this, this is when we get to some, this point next week and you haven't backed Danny Willett and uh, we, have, we have a conversation about it on the, uh, on the pod. Yeah. <laughs> When Jordan Spieth will be eight to one next week at the Valspar. Right, thanks for listening, and we will see you again next week. Goodbye. Cheerio.